Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Good morning. You're looking beautiful this morning. It's lots of smiles, come on. <laughs> well, we're starting a new series this morning. Isn't this exciting? Live to love. Wow, live to love. See, God has been challenging Wayne and I in our time of create space, create capacity to have a check on our love walk. And we just felt that perhaps God would like to refine us as a church as well in our love walk. So we're going to press into what does love to love mean as, as a church? Wayne, Wayne touched a little bit on it. He preached about mission impossible which was all about God filling space with him. And when God fills your space, he's filling it with love, isn't he? It's actually agape love, which extends beyond emotions, and it's a sacrificial love with just no strings attached. Today, I want to build on, on this live to love, and I want to call my, series, my sermon today, Don't Derail Your Destiny. Don't derail your destiny. Have you got your Bibles? Have you got your devices? Because you're going to have to turn. I didn't bring my Bible up because I use so many versions of the Bible. It would be no point because I'm King James, New King James. So first scripture we're going to go into this morning is in the message. And it's 1 Corinthians 14.1. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. Because it does. In the Amplified it says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Wow. Go after life, a life of love as if your life depends on it. So first of all, how do I even get this love? What does this love look like? Well, the scriptures tell us that God is love. And when you're born again, or if you accept Jesus as Lord of your life, you, and, and make him the authority in your life, your spirit becomes recreated in the image of God. But think about it. God is the greatest lover of all, isn't he? And so if we partake in that divine nature of God, then you become a lover too. Because we're born again, or we've made him the authority in our lives, Romans 5.5 5 in the Passion says, we can now experience endless love of God. I love this. Cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I'm just going to say that again. I think it's so beautiful. We can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God is love. Therefore, love is the foundation of our Christian life. Nothing works without love. Without love, there can't be an expression of love, or maybe you want to call it a byproduct of love, like joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Our goal, our aim, our quest has to be a life that's ordered by the overflowing love of God. An example of this might be 
to say that love is like a curtain rail. And if love is the curtain rail, then everything hangs from the curtain rail, doesn't it? If there's no rail, there can't be any curtains. If there's no love, there can't be an expression of fruit like love, joy, peace. So love being the curtain rail is the most important. Matthew 22 says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. But the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. It's love. See, we get very concerned about the curtains, the fruit. No, let's hang the rod of love. Let's get the love rod up, shall we? When we live this life of love, we see the fruit. And the fruit is, is not produced by our own efforts. The Bible tells us it will be the natural outgrowth of life, of the love of God on the inside of us. See, when we stay connected to God daily, we read the Bible, we pray, we worship, we spend time with him, then the Holy Spirit will flow out of us. It will flow naturally out of us and develop on the outside as an expression of love. It's much the same way as a fruit develops on a tree. The, the branch doesn't strain to produce fruit or struggle to produce fruit. It just stays connected. It stays connected to the tree, to the, the root. And as the sap comes up from the, the root of the tree, it overflows and brings fruit much the same way we need to stay connected to the love of God on the inside. We will push up and give fruit. Galatians tells us in the Passion, yeah, it says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. Wow, divine love produces varied expressions. So it's joy that overflows. When the love of God is inside of us, Joy overflows. Peace subdues. I love that. Patience endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue or goodness as we know it. Faith that prevails. Faithfulness. Gentleness of heart. That's all from divine love. Gentleness of heart. Strength of spirit. Self-control comes out of love. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Without love, though, we have the potential to derail our destiny. Without love, you have the potential to derail your destiny. See, you have the nature of God. You have his love inside you. You have what it takes. But even if you are so filled with his love, and his goodness that you're about to burst, you still have the flesh to contend with, don't you? It's like this ongoing war in your head of this choice. Do I love? Do I hate? How do I react in this? Is it love? Is it hate? Is it jealousy? Is it kindness? There's this constant war on the inside of us, and no one's exempt from this, no matter if you're a Christian. You always have the battle 
with the flesh. And, and Paul puts it like this in Romans. He spoke to the Romans and he spoke to the Galatia community and he described it like this. The longings to do what is right are within me, but the power, the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So if my behavior, your fruit, contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's, it's not my true identity, because that's love on the inside. But the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, which is love, I love to do what pleases God. It's this war. Have a look at Galatians. The sinful nature, it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit of love wants. The spirit of love gives us this desire that is opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other, aren't they? So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love, the love inside of you, you are not under obligation to fulfill the law of Moses. The Spirit makes the difference. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us makes all the difference. In tough situations, we're not always able to love. Not with sheer willpower, that's for sure. We have to yield our hearts to the love of God on the inside of us. This goes way beyond human love. It's the, God, it's the love that Wayne spoke about. It's this agape love. It's sacrificial love. There's a huge percentage of Christians that are bitter, mad, offended with somebody. But unfortunately, you know what? In the Bible, there's, I don't find any small print. It doesn't say, if you were hurt, if you were offended, you don't have to love. It's just not there. Um, I want to use this example today. If I was to approach people like I was to approach the fully inflated balloon, how would I hold it? How would I hold them? How would I treat them? Would I be gentle? Would I be kind? Would I hold them with love? Or would I pressure them? Would I squeeze them? Would I hurt them until they burst? See, I want to tell you this real, really couple of stories about how if you don't walk in love, if you don't make love your quest, you will derail your destiny. Saul was king in 1 Samuel 24, you can have a look, it's a long story. I'm going to cover 1 Samuel 24 and 25. Saul is king, but he's a very jealous king. Very jealous of David, who's to be his successor. Saul is so driven by jealousy that he launches this manhunt, which lasts for absolute years, to track David down, to kill him. And on this one particular occasion he sets off with 3,000 of his chosen men. He 
he wants to kill David. He stops off and he goes into a cave to relieve himself. Unknown to Saul, David and his men were in the recess of this cave. This is what David's men said. David, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Can you believe it? The enemy has been brought into your hands. You can kill him. You can do whatever you want with him. And quiet as a cat, he went and he cut off a piece of Saul's robe. When David came to him, he said, I can't believe what I've just done. Because of the hate, because of the way he was treated, he wanted to kill Saul. He wanted to squeeze him. He wanted to do away with him because of the hatred of Saul. But could he have derailed his destiny had he killed him? Immediately he felt so guilty. He had the piece of his robe in his hand. He told his his men, hold off. This is not the way to do it. This is not the way to react out of love. Saul left the cave and went down the road and David came out with this piece of robe and he waved it, calling Saul, Saul, look, I've got your robe. And Saul began to weep at the amazing kindness of David who chose to love him rather than kill him. He wept aloud in sobs, it says, you have heaped good where I have only dumped evil on you and you've done it again. You've treated me generously. May the Lord reward you, he said, for all the kindness that you have sown to me. I believe without a doubt you will rule as king and your kingdom will flourish under this rule. See, evil was overcome with love. When he felt like he wanted to squeeze and kill, love overcame. It made King Saul cry. Love won. But what would have, what would have actually happened to David if he'd squashed the life out of him? Makes you think, doesn't it? Do we need to have a look at our love life? Don't derail your destiny. Ruin family relationships, friendships, possible business deals, ministry opportunities by retaliating with blinded rage just because of the way people treat you. How are you going to hold the balloons in your life? David chose to live to love. David chose not to derail his destiny. Don't derail yours. See, in the next chapter, David's faced with another love test. 1 Samuel 25. But this one, he nearly failed. And again, this event could have derailed his destiny. So, love test take two. David is still out in the wilderness. He's with his mighty men. While he's out there, he's actually looking after a very rich man's uh, livestock and shepherds so while they're out there they, they're feeding the sheep or the goats and, and the livestock and David's men are protecting those men but now it comes harvest time and this rich man is called Nabal and he has a reputation the Bible actually says he was, he was known as a brute that's an awful word to be called 
He was known as a brute. He was known as a mean fool. And his wife, she was Abigail. She was apparently intelligent and she was beautiful. And when it came harvest time, um, the tradition in those times was like, you do the sharing of the sheep, but then you share in the harvest. It's like you share in the blessing of the harvest time. So when David and his men heard about harvest time, they, they came to Nabal and they said, would you like to share with us, please? Because we've actually protected your sheep. We've actually protected your shepherds. Um, could, we, could we share in this? And Nabal turned around and said, no. He was so mean and he, w- he was so horrible that he said, I don't even know who David is. Is he some kind of servant? Get out. I, I'm not sharing with you. And so David's men went back to him and this infuriated David. He was so blinded with rage that he gathered men together. I think there were about 400 of them and they were going to annihilate every male in that uh, family, Nabal's family. David was being squeezed with stingy, unappreciative attitudes. David was about to pop because he was so angry with the way he'd been treated. Have you felt like this? I have. Have you been squeezed that bad? You want to pop and retaliate? It's not a good place to be. And fortunately for David, Nabal's wife met him on the road as he was travelling towards Nabal to annihilate the, the males. And I think this is where the Holy Spirit comes in with us. Abigail came to open David's eyes to what was, what was actually happening to him. And Abigail came and she said, David, I, I know he's a brute. I know exactly you are right. You're not wrong in, in the way he's treated you. You're absolutely right. But just, just think, she brought, she brought uh, food with her to try and compensate for what Nabal had done to, to David and his men. And she fell on her knees so humbly, and she said, please forgive my husband. I, I'll, I'll take the blame. And she was trying to open his eyes to, don't, 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 don't. It's not worth it. She held David and his men. Although they were about to annihilate her family, she held David and his men with love and kindness. Then she, she gave him the scripture, which is so amazing because I think it, it woke David up. And sometimes, you know, when we go to the word and state like that, the word wakes us up. She said, the Lord will surely reward you with lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life will be safe in the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done what he's promised, he will make you a leader of Israel. Don't let this blemish your record. Don't let this blemish your record. When Abigail said these words, she was saying, 
Don't let this derail your destiny. Nabal, he's not worth it. Did Abigail's words, with, when he's, she's talking about the sling, did it take his mind back to the fight with Goliath? The sling and the stone and the victory and marching with Goliath's head in victorious battle. But a battle he didn't fight on his own, but a battle that he fought with the power of God. Did he remember the protection of God? Did he remember the, the reward from the, from the king? A wife and taxes paid for. Oh, this changed David's mind. To, he refused to retaliate. He, he decided, I'm, I'm going to hold Nabal's household with love and kindness, realizing that, that God had made him a safe and secure place that God would take care of Nabal's, all the Nabal's in his life, all the enemies of his life. There was a bigger thing here at stake. It wasn't about food and sharing a blessing. It was about his destiny. By the following day... (laughs) Nabal had actually had a heart attack, and ten days later... He died. Abigail became David's wife, and all the livestock would have become David's. God will deal with your enemies. We are charged to pursue a life of love with all its varied expressions, even if, even if we're right. We are not the avenger. God is. And that's what David, David learned in that moment with Abigail. He rem- was reminded, although he deserved the punishment, David was not the avenger of evil, but God is. Sometimes, you know, I think it's easier perhaps to show love to somebody who's superior than us, like with Saul and David, because he, he, he perceived him as perhaps uh, higher up than himself. And even us, if, if we were asked to go and get a glass of water for the queen, oh, we'd be so excited. How can I serve you? And, and we'd tell everybody, oh, I got a glass of water for the queen, and I, I showed love to the queen. But then when our family asked for a glass of water, it's like, why don't you get it yourself? What's wrong with you? So sometimes we perceive... Um, people who are lower than themselves, I'm not going to love on you. We have to be careful that how many times have we failed this love test? And, And you see the results of acting out of love. You can look back and you can see how it's it's destroyed relationships. It's really sad. And Winston Churchill, he's, he's got this quote. It says, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So let's learn. Let's learn what doesn't work. Living to love is your goal. Don't derail your destiny. Hmm. Our goal as Christians is to love. Live to love. Our motivation for serving. Serving in this house. Serving anybody, your family, your wife, your kids, is love. 
How we treat others should be out of love. How you treat yourself should be love. If love is the command that we follow, then we'll see the fruit. The fruit will be like the curtains. It will just be hanging. There will be joy. There will be peace. There will be long-suffering and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you were this balloon, think about how would you like to be held? How would you like to be held by others? Someone might not be holding you the way that you want them to. They might not be holding you with love and kindness. You may find that you're actually in a very poisonous situation. It could be a really hard divorce. It could be a rebellious, antagonistic child that you're dealing with. It could be an unfair work situation. So as people that are faced with unloving, unkind people who are pouring poison into our lives, how do we deal with that? There's a story in 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 2 Kings 4, where Elisha comes to Gilgal and there's famine in the land. And he wants to prepare food for the prophets. And he says to the, to the servants and the prophets, well, let's prepare stew. And they go off and they go and get herbs for this stew. And one of the guys went off and he got wild herbs and unknown to himself, they were poisonous. And he puts them into the pot. They make the stew and they dish it out. And as they start to eat, one of them screams, there's death in the pot. They tasted the poison. What shall we do? And Elisha turned to him and said, put some flour in the pot. Put some flour in the pot, and it will be fine. And they did. They put the flour in the pot, and they ate, and no one was hurt. See, sometimes the people are unaware of how they're holding you and they've not had this revelation of how to hold you and you may feel like that you're eating that poison out of the pot but what you need to do is throw in something wholesome the flower was wholesome the flower was love the poison could be revenge it could be it could be unforgiveness bitterness rage selfishness hate impatience let's throw in some love Wholesome love. Love thrown into the situation in in those expressions just destroys and no one's harmed. Let's check our love life, shall we? Question from Joyce Meyer, really challenging our thought. Do we make too much of our go to church rather than do I live the life of love? It's no good just sitting on this chair and listening to my message and going out and doing the same. Like Winston Churchill said, we need to learn from what went wrong and change it and start to live to love. Jesus is our perfect example, isn't he? Always. He, he lived a life of love. He continues to live to love. I want, I want you for just a moment to... Go back and see his love. Go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, how Jesus wrestled the same fight that I talked about, this war in the head. He's wrestling with the flesh. In the Garden, he has to die for us. He could have said no, 
and derailed his destiny and ours from becoming his children, he was willing to die in love for us. He was holding you and I like this. But the pressure of sin was saying, they deserve it. I don't want to do this. They deserve it. They shouldn't have my love. But he was saying, I hold you with love and kindness. Choosing not to give us what we deserve. Deciding not to add more poison to our lives, but to throw love into the poisonous sin of our lives. The disciples, they were just like David's men. <laughs> they wanted to retaliate when, when the crowd arrived in the garden with their clubs and their, their swords to arrest Jesus. <laughs> One of them cut off the servant's priest's ear. What did Jesus do? He stepped over and he healed the man's ear. He, he put love back into the poisonous situation. Jesus healed him. He told them, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. You need to live to love. Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels to protect them, but that would have derailed his destiny. Instead, this was his attitude. 1 Peter 2.23 says, When he was verbally abused, he didn't return with an insult. When he suffered, he wouldn't threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the Lord's hand, who judges righteously. This is what David realized. I'm not the avenger. God will judge righteously. I live by love. We don't want to be in a situation like David, do we? We don't want it where we come to this place where poison so overwhelms our lives and destroys our personal destiny or the destiny of our family or even the destiny of this church. God is well able to take care of our enemies. They will disappear Just like with David, they will disappear like stones out of a sling. God says, let vengeance be his. We are safe in his treasure pouch. David threw love into the poisonous situation. And Abigail became his wife. Jesus demonstrates his love to us. He dies on the cross. He threw love in the poisonous situation so that we can have a relationship. And we are his bride. Draw from the love on the inside of you. The spirit man, not the flesh. Throw love in every time that you're aware of poison. Come on, this is the challenge this morning. Let's hold each other with love. Let's hold each other with love and see the fruit. The fruit of joy. I want to see this place just filled with joy. I want to see your homes filled with joy and peace and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll leave you with one last scripture. Let's put this into action. Let's live to love. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Yes, he has. 
then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Let's live to love. Don't derail your destiny. The neighbors of this world, they're just not worth it. We're going to take communion now. and As we do, I'd like you to examine your heart before you, before you take the wine and the, and the wafer. Why don't you spend a moment and just see his love for you. See the forgiveness that he poured out for you and then forgive. Ask God to help you in your situation to live to love. When that person pops to mind, that situation, say, Father, I want you to help me because this is something you can't do by yourself. Father, I want you to help me to live to love and make a decision to walk in the Spirit. Don't allow that flesh to bully you anymore. So we're going to break bread now.